Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another episode. Uh, Cody, how how you doing? Well, I'm really excited about today's episode. We'll get to it at some point, but there was a tweet. Um, I don't even know how long ago it was, but it was like, dudes will just have the best time talking about old players. <laughs> and I think someone tagged the Thinking Basketball, uh, you know, pod. I was going to say playlist. I forgot what we are. We're a podcast. And I'm like, that is so true. And I think that's exactly where we're going to be going today. Just a couple of guys talking about a couple of old guys, and it's going to be great. That was our, I think that was for our show where we talked about one dimensional scores. So we got to name like a bunch of semi obsolete or forgotten players from the last 30 years in the NBA. And it was a grand time. It was really like just Maceo Bastion. You just say names that people haven't heard in a long time, right? It's just fantastic. Try it. Just throw one out there. Oh, man. Do you remember? Oh, my God. Oh, are you? You're freezing. Brian, Brian Winters, Ben. Brian Winters. That's that's too far back. No one knows who that is. Have you seen uh, who's my guy? Sidney Moncrief, man. That's it. You're just naming '80s bucks. This Paul is... Pressy, Ben. Have you seen Paul Pressy ball? That dude could hoop right now. All right. Um, what are we going to talk about? I th- <laughs> we at some point maybe we should do it today. At some point we have to talk. What's going on with LeBron James? We have to talk about that. Before we have our main event, before we have our dessert, Ben, I think we got to get the vegetables out of the way. I think there's some stuff right now in the NBA that we might have to talk about a little bit. The- Hold on. Before, are you cooking right now? Before, I need to know. If I, if I like, I'm physically going to be cooking after this. But man, let me tell you, when I'm on this podcast, I feel like I'm cooking right now. Like the James Harden type <laughs> of cooking, stirring the pot sort of so situation. So nothing simmering on the stove in the in the kitchen i was i was listening back to one of our shows and you were talking about chili and all this and i got so confused i was like does cody cook during the episodes does he have like a slow simmer is he is he is he slow roasting things in the oven while we talk about basketball let me tell you sometimes that chili you get the cast iron dutch oven okay because when that thing heats up you can just turn off the heat and kind of slide it off the burner, and it's gonna keep it's gonna keep warm for at least a couple of hours. So I can put that on right before we record a podcast. When I come down, it's at the perfect temperature. That is not the case today, but I have definitely uh, I'm definitely I'm struggling with words. I've definitely done that before, Ben. Okay, okay. Well, I cut you off. I just needed to know that. Now you were gonna you were gonna say something before we get to the discussion about what's going on with LeBron James and how close he is to this scoring record, you were you were going to say something else. What, what was that? I think the people need your take on something. I think the people Uh-oh. need your take. The Jaron Jackson block gate, Ben. This idea, I think it, I don't know if it originated there, but I caught it on a Reddit thread once upon a time, very recently, where somebody very excitedly uncovered, I'm just going to throw the word uncovered out there. I'm not going to put the quotations out there. You can do that. But uncovered, the fact that Jaron Jackson's block and steal numbers are significantly higher in Memphis than on the road, and that this just completely skews his his defensive numbers, and now all of a sudden this Jaron Jackson for Defensive Player of the Year is called into question. And Ben, I, I and everyone else need to hear your take on this. I think you left out the sort of mega conspiratorial part of this thread. This was a Reddit thread. I can't believe we're actually talking about this in real life as real humans. Someone who doesn't understand how scorekeeping works in basketball apparently went through 
like, I don't know, multiple months or like all of the blocks and steals that you can get on NBA.com. If you if you click on a player and you click on his stats, you see a little blue link, you can bring up all his blocks and steals because he has these seven plays that he presents in the thread as his incriminating evidence against how the scorekeepers in Memphis are cooking the books. Once again, I can't believe we're actually talking about what's next. The next segment, the earth is actually round. Is that what we're, is that what we've gotten to? So basically he, he pulls what he thinks are the seven most incriminating plays. And I think in the thread, as is the case with the best conspiracy theorists in the world, says this is just the tip of the iceberg. No, this was the meat. This was the best example that you could find. And what he finds is like, if you look at these seven plays, Jaron Jackson should not be credited with a block and a steal on these seven plays. Therefore, that proves air quotes, if you're not watching us on YouTube, by the way, I figured out how to fix the camera. I feel much more comfortable today. Um, so if the dog comes, she won't be blurry anymore. That's that's what I really care about. Anyway, um, where was I? The seven plays, Cody. You can see I'm already fired up by this. He goes through and he's like, well, this first one shouldn't be credited as a steal for Jaron Jack- Jackson because his teammate recovers the ball. And right away, you're just like, that's not how steals work in basketball. You don't have to be the one to recover the ball. So then there's like a block. He's like, as you can see, Zion Williamson goes in the lane and just loses the ball. And somehow Jaron Jackson gets credited with a block. And you're like, yeah, that's because what do you think happened when Jaron's right hand disappeared behind Zion's body and then the ball came spitting out and Zion... Do you think Zion went in the lane and then sort of like was shut off like the AI? Like he someone just blipped Zion off for a second and he dropped the ball. I told you I was going to rant about this, Cody. It's it, the So anyway, he's presenting these seven plays. One or two of them, you know, are questionable scorekeeping. But uh, somehow... This idea that players can play better, wait for it, they can play better at home than on the road. Never heard that one before. Um, Somehow that idea combined with these seven plays got like 27,000 upvotes on YouTube and took over all of NBA Twitter in the time I took a bike ride. But when, when I saw it in the morning and came home, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It is a lot. So... I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing, Ben, from from the the tenor of your voice here, that this is a whole going back to our food. This is a complete nothing burger. This is something we should all just sigh, roll our eyes, and move on to literally anything else. It's not a nothing burger in the sense that I think it shows that the depths of conspiratorial thinking can touch anything, as long as you have the ingredients of like a very partisan, biased fan base. Like I'm just gonna go out in a limb, Cody. I'm just gonna go out in a limb. Pretty sure the guy that uncovered this is not a Memphis Grizzlies fan. I just, I don't know. Do you you agree with me that we could probably confidently say that? Probably, yeah, that sounds accurate. Okay, so probably someone that roots for another team or maybe like a rival team of the Memphis Grizzlies or possibly a family member of someone else in the the running for defensive player of the year because Jaron Jackson is the favorite right now i think in a lot of people's minds as he should be i believe he moved uh he was the betting favorite before that was removed from the sports book because of this reddit post (sighs) when i say when i say the person doesn't understand how scorekeeping works like I, i when i when i do videos i've mentioned them in videos before 
there are things that like sometimes someone slaps at the ball and it's called a block instead of a steal. There's always like little inconsistencies in scorekeeping. But in the NBA, these things are audited. There's like someone that audits it in the game. And if you watch a lot of plays and you're not used to watching sort of like high level, subtle things um, in real time, you don't slow the tape down. You won't even notice sometimes you'll, be, you'll watch like a Jaron Jackson play and there'll be a block. And then you'll say, well, why did he get credit for a block? And you slow it down and you're like, oh my God, he actually hit the ball when it came out of his hand. And they have people that review that. And so, um, yeah, the the whole thing is preposterous. But if you create a situation where people don't know how a mechanism works and then you give it to a sufficiently motivated group of people, you can, I mean, you can... Uh, you, you can create a storm out of that. Let's put it that way. I think everyone is just really thirsty to uncover the big thing. They want to be there, right? They want to be at the front lines being like, this is the thing that just unraveled the entire NBA. But while all that is true, Ben, the thing that, that bothers me the most about this entire conversation is the betting markets and the defensive player of the year conversation. Because when I see all that, I'm like, wait a second. Are his raw block and steal numbers really persuading you that much in the defensive player of the year conversation? Like, not to be like film guy, but have you seen Jaron Jackson play defense? And have you compared that to other defensive players? And yes, people always cite the like historical block percentage numbers and things like that. And all of that is 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 great and everything. You know, it helps build up a good argument. But also, just you watch him play the fluidity on defense, his his rotations, the fact that he's contesting and deterring people in the paint. All of those things ignore all the block numbers. And he's man, he's just incredible on defense. No. It's, I'm just angry, Ben. Yeah, but none of those things matter. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Like if you can just create a con- conspiracy then then none of those things matter you can you don't really have to get into how good someone is at defense so I think we've spent what well, we've spent about nine minutes more on this topic than um, it should ever be given weight uh, who knows what the next incredible conspiracy is going to be in the NBA I mean it you're never you're never going to believe this but Golden State performs better at home than on the road and it just has me wondering now, Cody, like when they travel, is their food laced with stuff that makes them shoot poorly or vice versa when they're when they're at home in the Chase Center? Maybe they have fantastic chefs there that really help their shooting accuracy. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Let's talk about normal basketball stuff. Um, LeBron James, seriously, in the last month, he's averaging 35 points a game. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that anymore. I, 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 I keep thinking back to when we, we ranked our top 10 Helio guys like a couple of weeks ago was, or something. That was about three months ago, I think. Uh, years ago, we talked about the top 10 Helio guys. And we talked about LeBron. Like, we really grappled with him because we talked about the fact that, you know, last year, maybe when he was playing some small ball five, like the Lakers offense was so slanted towards offense that it kind of inflated his ability to do stuff. 
But man, when he's sharing the court with the big men this year, um, when Anthony Davis went down, it didn't matter. Like the Lakers were trucking along. Their offense looked great. They were in like the, the 120s, 120, 121 offensive rating for periods of time when he was on the court. I don't know, man. He's been undeniable offensively. Yeah, I think in that show we talked about how it would, you could easily have him in the top 10, but we felt age and um, sort of the heavy lifting that we were talking about. It would be hard to get him up near the top. And so we kind of left him aside. Uh, and now, like, I mean, the last month he's played 13 games, 35 points a game, nine rebounds, eight assists. He's plus six per game when he's on the court. So, you know, as you said, there's there's a translation to winning basketball I don't know if they have enough talent to really be anything more than like uh, a team that makes the playoffs and possibly somehow wins a playoff series but um, man I mean it's 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 legit it's legit what he's been able to do at, at his age over the last month and it's, it's given me anxiety because I got stuff to do for when he breaks the scoring record and it's like he's gonna break the scoring record before we finish recording this at this rate, he's uh, it's like every oh, whoops, LeBron with 45 more. He's a, like, like, I think he's a hundred something points away from Kareem. And I'm in my head, I'm like, that's like a game and a half. That's exactly like I literally, I think a couple of weeks ago, I put it in my calendar. I was just like, estimate ahead of time. I'm like, LeBron will probably break it around here. And I have to readjust that. Like, I think it's going to end up being a week before what I initially planned with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that kind of thinking, uh, is LeBron James having the greatest 38-year-old season in NBA history? Is LeBron James cuz in basketball reference he just turned 38 in December, but you have to be th- you have to be um or sorry, let me let me try that again. Whatever age you are on February 1st of that basketball season, that's your basketball reference age for the year. So this is LeBron's age 38 season. Last year was his age 37 season um Cody you've looked at it we've we've you know we've done our research how many other guys are even in the conversation for an age 38 season like this so there's a couple of guys that come to mind and I don't think there's really going to be any shockers like the guys that played forever guys that we talked about in the top 40 rankings tell me if I miss a few names let me toss out a few names here Tim Duncan I have uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar here. I heard of him. I have Carl Malone here. Okay. I could maybe, maybe entertain a John Stockton. Um, it's interesting because he didn't come in until a year after this, but a Michael Jordan, maybe if we count 39-40. Let's, let's, let's stick with, I want to stick with 38 right now. Okay. Maybe we have to do 37 as well. Should okay. we start with 37? Let's maybe start with 37. 37 where it's, is where it's crazy because... You know, we were talking about these seasons when you're at the end of the end of your career, when you're older. And Cody texted me before the show and he said, Ben, what do you mean by an older season? Like, how old do you have to be to be old in basketball? And going back all the way to like Russell and Chamberlain, you know, there's Michael Jordan in the 90s. There's a lot of guys who have played at an extremely high level into their mid-30s, let's say, their age 34, 35 season. These days, you know, who knows, 36 is the new 31, that kind of... So I was thinking, like, you know, it's rare. It's rare to play really well in your late 30s. So 37 
maybe is an interesting place to look. And actually, if you look at the great sort of older seasons, there is a there's there's like a ton of candidates at 37, and then they start dwindling. And by the time you get to 40, like three players ever have played at 40. It's it's a it's a short list to pick from. So maybe we should start at 37. Can we do that? Can we can we roll it back a year? Yeah, let's roll it back a year. Okay. So you mentioned Kareem, you mentioned Carl Malone, you mentioned John Stockton. Um, if we're looking at age 37 and just age 37, who who else is up there for you? Let's see. You could bring up. Uh, man, there's some guys that are contributing. I think they might be a tier lower than these than these guys we just talked about. Maybe Dirk Nowitzki. He had he was showing some signs still at 37. Chris Paul. That, w- that was his 2016 season. Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. Is Chris Paul is Chris Paul currently in his 37? He's year he's season? 37 this season. Yeah. That's yeah. he's he's probably not in the conversation. <laughs> then. He's he's probably not going to make it. Kevin Garnett. I think was was interesting. Around this time, I think he was struggling with injuries, but defensively, he was a little bit interesting. But uh, those are some of those other guys that came up. I think you came up with a couple of guys that had some sneaky good seasons, like maybe yeah. a couple of role players. They were like, oh, this guy was contributing at a high level here. Well, 2011 Jason Kidd was mm-hmm. his age 37 season. I think that's a pretty seriously legit season. Like, he was a phenomenal defender, uh, role player on offense, extra. What do, you, what do you guys like to call the players who shoot threes and pass well? And they defend. Oh, what did I call the D- dimes. Shoot threes, defense and di- defense and dimes guys. The guys defense that can play and defense and play de- and and pass the ball. The Marcus Smart types. The uh, Drew Holiday. Uh, who else is in there? Nate McMillan. Um, historically, where else are we going? Let's go back. Let's go back. There's the guy in the Celtics. Dennis Johnson is part of this crew. It's a it's a long lineage of successful players. Defense and di- wow, you've got some really high quality players. I, D- Drew Holiday and Dennis Johnson are like guys showing up in the MVP. Uh, ballots sometimes. So, okay. We said Jason Kidd, right? I think another sneaky one, if you want to talk about sneaky 37-year-old seasons, is David Robinson's last year, hmm. where you're never going to play him more than 30, 32 minutes or whatever. You're going to keep the minutes low. But especially for that environment at that point in time, he was such an effective defender, such a specialist who could come in and play Twin Towers. And he actually, both in the regular season and the playoffs, had monster plus minus numbers just when you watch the film he's just a terror down there um just couldn't do it for very long similar to Garnett like I think Garnett maybe is too specialized to be in this conversation but those guys who are those guys at that age are are really good relative to the competition um for these age 37 seasons let me give you another one Cody 2012 Steve Nash that guy was still pretty good Ooh, yeah yeah he definitely was he was still pretty good um Robert Parrish was an all-star in his age 37 season. 1991, I think Parrish actually made an all-star in his 38 season. Can we can we get our stats department on that Where I, while I rattle off a few more names? Did Robert Parrish make the all-star team in, in uh, 1992? So that's a pretty good list of players. Reggie Miller was sneakily good in some of his last years. Uh, I think we'll get to that in a second. But... Yeah, that was that was mostly the list I was I was pulling from, and then of course LeBron James. And the question is, can any of them stand up to last year's LeBron James? So uh, Robert Parrish, nineteen ninety one, was his last All Star appearance, which was his thirty seven year old season. Got it. Okay. I, I think something that's a really interesting part of this conversation because it feels I think some people might naturally feel a little weird when you bring up guys like maybe Jason Kidd or even like older Reggie Miller, and you're like, oh wait a second. Like, these guys can't hold a candle to some of the the big guys that we're talking about. But there is an element 
of are you able to contribute at a high level on a playoff team? That seems to be the main thing that we always circle around, right? And I think that's some of the the tough parts of some of these these guys that we might bring up today, or even LeBron, honestly, if we bring up the last couple seasons, is are you able to play at that level during the playoffs? Are you able to sustain it maybe even to a finals run? Because there is a couple of guys here. There's one guy in particular in his 37-year-old season makes a finals run and just looks incredible at 37. And I think, you know, those are a couple of things. Do you bring it in the regular season and do you look good a b do you bring it in the playoffs and still hold a lot of that value were you talking about jason kidd in that incredible finals run yeah he i mean that's the big thing about him is he's able to go to the finals with the mavericks and he's showcasing that he's not being played off the floor he's actually a huge an incredible cog for their defense in the way that they were able to defend the heat and you know the thunder and the lakers and whoever else they steamrolled those playoffs i think another quality 2010 season in that same vein on a high-level team as Grant Hill, mm. 2010 Suns. Um, did I say a 2010 season instead of a 37-year-old season? <laughs> yeah, we're just rattling off the best 2010 seasons yes. at this point. <laughs> did you see uh, LeBron James? He was pretty good in 2010. Dwight yes, Howard? D- d- Dwayne Wade, 2010, was very good. Um, let me try to get the order right on that. Grant Hill was 37 in 2010. And another one of those seasons, Detlef Schrempf, was 37 in the year 2000 for the Portland Trailblazers. Both of those teams were conference finalists losing to the eventual champion Lakers both times in uh, in six or seven games. So, yeah, to me, I think the candidate, if we're going to say, like, can anyone be better than LeBron was last season or roughly is right now as well? I, I mean, 1985 Kareem Abdul-Jabbar seems like the candidate i'm i could you buy that could you make the argument could you make a comfortable argument that 85 kareem is better than where lebron is right now it's so it's really difficult to just translate and be like one of these guys is better than the other and i know that's the point of this episode but let me let me read you some numbers from kareem in that season right in the regular season 23 points this is a uh, inflation-adjusted numbers from your database on thinkingbasketball.net. 23.5 points per 75, plus 8.5 true shooting. This is a dude oh that was still out there, just not missing. He has a box plus minus of 4.8. In the playoffs, still scoring th- 23 points per 75, plus 6 true shooting. So this is a guy, again, finals-level team. They end up winning the championship, and if I'm not mistaken, he wins finals MVP that season. Am I correct yeah. about that? Yeah. 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 So... Man, I don't know. That's a really... LeBron looked great in the regular season, but again, we didn't see it in the playoffs, and Kareem has that playoff run. I know he's playing with some other high-level players. He's got James Worthy at his flank. He's got Magic Johnson running the show. He's got, you know, everyone else on the Showtime Lakers, but I don't know. That's really hard to argue against, Ben. Well, I still feel like... I still feel like it's not quite enough. You you take LeBron in this one. I think if I had to pick age 37 seasons, I still think... I still think you're probably better off with where LeBron took you last year when he was healthy. I, this, this is pretty close. I still think I'm going to go LeBron. You, you, you disagree. You want to go Kareem. I don't, I don't disagree. I want to ask you a question. When you say you're better off with a player here, do you mean that like relative to era, you would be better or last season, you would have been better off with LeBron than in 1985 being with 37-year-old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Is that what you mean? I, I think so. I think so. I don't know. They're they're pretty close. I mean, LeBron, Kareem, that 1985 season that you just cited, and I think his playoff stats are even 
more impressive than his regular season stats. If you have those, we we can share them in a second. But those two seasons, and then Carl Malone. Carl Malone in two thousand one was two years removed from his last MVP. He was an All NBA level player. Another one of those guys that uh, I think if I had to do a holistic evaluation would say this is a all-star level player. This is a guy who you can drive a lot of offense around even at his old age. Maybe he's bordering on an all-NBA type of player at that point. Um, Those guys seem to be the strong candidates for the top spot. And then maybe like if we had a top five or something, then you get into like, well, John Stockton doesn't quite play as much, but his minutes were super valuable. He was still able to do so much of what he was able to do. By the way, Stockton and Malone are not the same age. It's going to get confusing. So Malone's 37 season is 2001, but Stockton's 37 season is 2000. And then what is that four guys that I named? So I need one more for number five. Yeah, let's say let's say one more. Uh, yeah, then I mean, you know, pick your pick your. Robert Parrish, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, guys who are still good enough to be very good and and play a lot of minutes um, and even flirt with like an all-star level. I think that's that's how I would think of these 37 seasons. Can I can I maybe suggest someone that should be in that top five in my book? And maybe maybe this is a winning bias sort of thing, but I really think 37 year old Tim Duncan, because if I'm not mistaken, that's the 2014. Yeah, that's, that's the 2014 team. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's a great call. That's a great call. I, I think maybe Duncan fourth. Uh, I think I'd probably go Duncan fourth, Stockton fifth. Does okay. that sound reasonable? Yeah, yeah. I really like that because Tim Duncan, it's just, I don't know. And I don't even know who's giving out credit, so I don't know who I'm talking to here. But Tim Duncan should get more credit by the way that he was able to reinvent his play style and his game to fit into one of the greatest teams of all time if we're being honest we're looking at net rating the way that they buzz through the playoffs that team was incredible and for a player that predicated a lot of his game earlier in his career in his prime on like being a big post-up isolation type of threat that's not at all how they played at all and he thrived in the way that they played and defensively he still looked good he was slimmed down a bit he was still agile his passing game i thought even improved at that point um that was a master class in being able to reinvent yourself at that age yeah, that was that was a great season. So so do you disagree with this? This is my top five 37 seasons. I'm going to go LeBron one, Kareem, and then I think, boy, boy, you could go almost any order here, but Kareem two, uh, what did I say, Carl Malone three? Yeah. I could honestly go in any order with these guys. Carl Malone, uh, Tim Duncan, and John Stockton. Yeah. yeah You're I, deep in thought about this. I am deep in thought. I'm looking at some names. Yeah, I think I would probably agree with that. That seems like okay. a good top five. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Uh, hopefully we're not forgetting anyone obvious. We, we did some statistical scans. I actually thought you were going to bring up your favorite player and perfa- perhaps favorite human to ever live, John Havlicek, uh, who, 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 you know, he didn't have the most ceremonious age 37 season in his final year in 1978, but I think he still averaged like 16, 17 points a game. You know, he's running around the court doing, doing Havlicek things. Um, but alas, the ship has sailed, Cody. The, all, all the... All the Hondo stands listening to this will hold you accountable for uh, for not bringing him up. So, okay, that br- <laughs> that brings us to this season, LeBron, his age thirty eight season, where he's averaging a cool thirty points per game. I'm going to need someone to explain that to me. By the way, how is LeBron James? He's in his twentieth year, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. He's, so he's I thought his, that was a rhetorical question. Okay. Like, yeah, uh, no, he's, I'm he's just twentieth year. I'm just tr- I'm trying to process all this. He's in his twentieth year. Yep. And he's averaging thirty points per game. And the only other times he's averaged thirty points per game in his career, two thousand six, two thousand eight, and last year. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this because there's there's people out there. You got to walk on eggshells about this. And I have to preface it by saying I'm an enormous LeBron fan. I've always been a big LeBron fan. What do you make of the inflation of stats right now? Like when you say he's averaging 30 points per game for the first time in however many years, I'm kind of like, yeah, but also we've been looking at some of these numbers that are just ridiculous. And I don't know how this translates back into whatever grinded out because, you know, Cavaliers LeBron, especially first round Cavaliers LeBron and Heat Ball, they were pretty slow paced. Like if I remember, there were some like Pacer series in 2013, 2014 where they're playing at like an 84 possessions a game pace, right? That's super slow. That's grinding it out. So of course this raw uh, numbers aren't going to look like that. And I know that we adjust for points per 75 and stuff, but again, the offensive ratings just didn't look the same. So I, I don't know. I'm just not as excited when I hear some of those numbers from this season. You're not as, as sorry. Was there a question in there, or was that just a? I I mean, the question is like, are, are you as excited about those numbers? Because it feels a little, it feels a little soft to me. I never get too excited about raw points per game. Anyway, I just think we're talking about a guy in his twentieth season, who, I mean, Cody to to play thirty six minutes a night in your twentieth season and average. 30 points per game is uh, is pretty impressive regardless of the inflation because similarly it would be like, okay, let's say we have LeBron playing um, in a league that's more comparable to the league 10 years ago and he averages 25 points a game, right? So, okay, so here are all of the leading scorers in NBA history over the age of 37. Uh Dirk Nowitzki averaged 18 points a game when he was 
37. Kareem averaged 22 points a game when he was 37. Karl Malone averaged 23 points a game when he was 37. And LeBron's at 30. That's the list. So, yeah, I'm I'm not... If you're asking, do I think that's more impressive than all the scoring seasons in between 2008 and 2020? No, not at all. Of course, he was a better scorer back then. And I think if you look at playoff data and more granular data and you uh, look relative to the league, it doesn't look as impressive. And one of the uh, things I get into in this video that's upcoming, it's going to be released on the NBA app, knock on wood, shortly about the evolution of his scoring in particular, and I've talked about this before, but when you play in a league that isn't just softer in terms of it's easier to score points per 100, like the efficiency is higher, the shot quality is higher, but the spacing is better for him. There are fewer big players on the court and he's giant. And the last thing there is there's more transition. The game is played at more pace. And what he's lost is some of his side to side agility or maybe even some of his like vertical craziness that he had at the rim but he's still one of the fastest north south dudes in the entire sport so the more kind of transition you get the more flowing pace you get um, the fewer shot blockers the more the paint is open the more I think it's helped him specifically but I don't hold that against him I think that's just a phenomenon of the evolution that the the game has gone in a certain direction and he's skilled enough in enough areas that he's been able to rely on these particular things that matches up with the direction the sport has evolved. And I think what does make that really impressive about him is if you think about guys like Kareem and Karl Malone, I'm going to bring those two guys up specifically here. But when you think about Kareem, it's not like he was a complete dinosaur in 37. He still had a little bit of mobility. Like I went back and I was watching some of his his final season. I forgot how old he is. He's 40 or 41 at that point. And let me tell you, that was dinosaur Kareem. Like he dropped like 23 points in the finals against against the Pistons in in 89. It, it was every just hook shot. Like, he catches it and just hook. Like, he could be scoring 10 right now, I think, if he was playing right now. That hook was so true. But between him and Carl Malone, who just relied so much on that mid-range game, they didn't quite have that explosiveness at that point. LeBron is still, while he settles for a lot of the three-point shots and maybe pulls up and shoots more than he did, when he puts on that burst, he can still drive with the best of them. Like, he'll still throw it down and to the point where you're like, oh, wait a second, this guy's in his 20th year. And I think beyond that, he's added some bulk. Like, he feels, I don't know if you feel the same way, Ben, he feels almost stronger than he's been before. Maybe it's just because they're, that teams are playing smaller in general. But That's, Cody, that's old man strength. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. That just, that just comes with maturity. Yeah. And he just looks bigger than everyone out there. Like, he's just like, it's not like Carl Malone, like bodybuilder, biceps car- kind of guy. He's just like brawn, right? Like brawny compared to them. And just, it, it, it's unbelievable watching him when he's able to throw it on like that. Just to be clear, you mean brawn with a W. Not, yeah. Not two N's. Yeah. I'm talking about like the cleaning supply, like brawn with a W type of thing. I'm not talking about his child. Okay. So, so I've pulled up a much better um, stat for you. This is all games played over the age of, once you hit 37, in NBA history. Okay. Okay? Okay. And if you look at all the players in NBA history who have played at least 50 games over this tender age of 37 that we're talking about today, okay? Um, Steve Nash, 12 points per game. John Stockton, 12 points per game. Shaquille O'Neal, 12 points per game. 
Reggie Miller, 12 points per game. Tim Duncan, up to 13 points per game. Okay. Carmelo Anthony, Dirk Nowitzki, 13 points per game. John Havlicek, your man, uh, 16 points per game. Kareem played 390 games after turning 37, and he averaged 18 points per game. Kobe played just 66 games, 18 points per game. Carl Malone played 284 games after turning 37 and averaged 21 points per game. Ooh. Some fella named Michael Jordan mm-hmm. played 142 games after turning 37. Those are all in Washington, right? 21 points per game for him as well. Uh, it's been a little over a year since LeBron turned 37. He's averaging 31 Good Lord. <laughs> points per game. Okay. So even with the inflation, okay. I think you could scale that way, way, way back and still be like, this was unexpected. This is incredible. This, uh, oh, uh, man, I almost brought up a baseball player who hit a lot of home runs after a certain age, and then I realized that's going to spawn a whole conversation that I want to get into. So it's just that level of unexpectedness of like producing that many points toward a record. And knock on wood, assuming he stays reasonably healthy, he's going to easily finish with, you know, 40,000 points, 10,000 assists, 10,000 rebounds. So a guy I want to talk about right now, I want to talk about Karl Malone for, for just a second here because I almost want to try and use him to extrapolate for LeBron. Because in his final season, that 2004 season, the one year he's in L.A., that team that team was a powerhouse. And honestly, I think it seemed like they were pretty clearly the, the favorites until Karl Malone went down. I think he went down with a knee injury midway through the season. And then the finals after game two, I'm pretty sure he re-injured that same knee. And he just, he just wasn't the same after that. But in the 42 games he did play, 40-year-old final season, averaging 32 minutes a game 32 minutes a game at 40 and if he doesn't have that injury it's interesting to know how far he could go so like with LeBron you just talked about how high he is right now where's the tail end Ben like theoretically what what are we even talking about with LeBron James right now uh do you mean what the rest of his career looks like yeah like how how far can he drag this on and still be like a all-star role player starter level player how old's Tom Brady? Is he is he legitimately forty five? I think I think he's forty five. So maybe maybe not that long, but I mean I, I it seems like he could go like this, at least this sort of like good starter, all star level player in his early forties. It just if if you if you break down the components of his game, as long as he can still sort of run with with similar uh, speed up and down the court, um, as long as he can still jump, and his vertical is not what it used to be, but as long as he can still, like, dunk. I don't, Actually, I don't even know. I don't. Even, he might not even need to dunk. He's just so strong and so crafty. And that's the thing, Cody. The improvement of his shot over the years to fall back on and to really become a threes and layups guy and have a post game and bully mismatches, and know how to play the angles on pick and roll, and also be one of the best passers ever, but also be giant, and just, even even as you, like, lose all your athleticism, to still be more physically gifted than 80% of the league, or 90% of the league, it just feels like you could continue to strip things away, and as long as he's okay with it, as long as he's okay with not being the top 10 player, or whatever, like, 
I feel like I feel like old man LeBron. I want to see him with all, all white, like the full white beard. I wish someone would embrace this look, like the the shaved head or whatever. I just want a white beard. And you're out there, and you're just doing YMCA moves on people. You're just giving them the full Alperin Shengun experience, but you're 42, behind the back passes, make some threes, and you play like 26 minutes a game. You know, you come to life when you need to a little bit. You're still going to be better than like everyone but 40 or 50 players. I don't know. That's what it feels like. So what's really interesting though is we have we talked about Helio Ball, like I said a couple episodes ago, and LeBron is almost like almost like a poster child of it in the early 2010s. Like LeBron ball was such a thing that everyone tried to emulate it until they realized they weren't LeBron. But what's interesting at this point in his career, he could actually extend it by changing over to the offenses that we talk about so much. You know, we talk about Bam Adebayo, Nikola Jokic, DeMontis Sabonis doing this like delay sort of action. What if LeBron embraced that? What if he was like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be a DHO hub and I'm just going to dime people up and then if all things go wrong, I'll just post them up and go down low and just work on my hook shot, get some fouls, work people in the paint. That's legitimately what he could do. Well, I think to me, the most remarkable thing is how good he's been on defense in his mid-30s. And so he's going to lose more defensively as mm-hmm. as he ages. That's just that's just natural. Um, I, I, I can't even run down the block anymore without pulling something. Um, so when that happens... He will be a negative defender, essentially. And if you're going to be a big and be, play one of the two big positions, you're going to be a four, you're going to play center, you're going to be a negative defender. I still think he'll be a positive offensive player. I still think he'll be a good offensive player. So you may very well have something that's like a a proximity of Demonis Sabonis or something where you have a guy who's like... uh can play the short roll game really, really well, can play the handoff game, can play delay. Yeah, now I'm kind of getting excited for this version of LeBron to just kind of slowly creak around out there. And um, is 45,000 points, is that in play? Can we get there? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's wild that we're pointing to a player that's made the all-star team, is going to make, should make the all-star team again. And we're like, yeah, that's probably what LeBron could be if he played to like 42-43. Like, it's just, man. We've gotten so off track of talking about these high-level seasons, but just thinking about LeBron aging, because this curve just, it doesn't make sense, Ben. It completely baffles me. No, I think we're not on track. I I think, I'm not off track. I think we're perfectly on track because the last thing we need to do is talk about next year, where he's going to be 39, and if you look at the best age 39 seasons ever, I mean, maybe 2002 John Stockton is that a gold stand? Maybe, I think I would take 2002 John Stockton. That was a heck of a season for him. But you're getting into a you're getting into a territory where it's hard to have guys do a lot of heavy lifting and play 35 minutes a game. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 1987. That was the great 87 Lakers team. He was still very good. But man, how many guys at age 39 have even been like all-star quality? Um, Carmelo made the all-star team, I believe, in 03. I kind of like... 
O2 Stockton better. So you have Stockton, Malone. I think I like 87 Kareem better. Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, this is their 2016 season. So there are limitations by the time you get to that point in their career. Even our old friend Jason Kidd, he's in 2013. You're going to say Dikembe Mutombo, aren't you? Man, I would love to talk about Dikembe Mutombo. How old do you think he really was? Oh, I don't want to get into that. Well, no, I'm saying like, <laughs> this, there was always this idea that that he was older than what he said when he came into the league, and then he somehow also was like blocking shots when he was 42. That's what I'm saying. He played until he was 42. I'm going to believe the man. He said he was 42. Yes. He could play until he was 42. But what if he was really 45? That would be awesome. That would have been amazing. That would yeah. be incredible. Okay, here, here's, a, here's a sneaky one. Here's a sneaky one. In... Um, 2003 was Michael Jordan's mm-hmm. last year with the Wizards. I don't care too much for that season, but there's a sneaky 2005, Cody. 2005, Reggie Miller. Mm-hmm. Do you remember do you remember what happened in the 2005 season with the Indiana Pacers? Is that uh that that's the Malice in the Palace, isn't it? That that is the Malice in the Palace at oh, the yeah. start of the year. And so the team was like half of them were suspended, right? Um, I don't remember the exact suspensions off the top of my head, but between Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, uh, Stephen Jackson, and Jermaine O'Neal, they were just decimated for a huge chunk of the season. And despite it being his age 39 year, Reggie had this stretch where. I don't know. He he kind of like kept them afloat. It was crazy. Do you remember this? I don't remember that. No. Okay. So I'm looking it up after the All Star game. Um, I mean, he was old and and you know playing on a he, he had been sort of moved over to more of that 2013 Ray Allen. He's a role player on this team. They're a championship level team. They lost the year before to the Pistons. We talked about that this summer in detail when we were doing our uh, conference finals MVPs. And then after the All-Star game, when the Pacers really need it, Cody, he has this 36-point game in February, proceeds to average 19 points per game the rest of the year. Um, on good efficiency, shot only 98% from the line after that. <laughs> Wait, what What did yeah. you say? Yeah, he shot 98% from the free throw line after that. Um, so, like, yeah, I think I think that's probably would be one of my top, top five age 39 seasons. But the point is, the pickings are slim. And LeBron is projecting to have probably the best age 36 season ever. As we just said, the best 37 season ever. Definitely the best, definitely the best age 38 season ever. On track for the best 39 season ever if he comes back and runs it back with even even if it's like 80% of what he did this year. And then by the time you get to 40, who's who's left? Who who played? Vince Carter? Who played at Fort Jason Terry? That 2004 Carl Malone season, like I said, he only played 42 games, but I thought he looked pretty good at that point. Like, there is, yeah, I, I forgot who it was against. It was, uh, I think they were playing the Rockets in the first round of those playoffs. He has like a 30 point game, and one of the, like, not all of them are mid range. There's one point where he kind of leaks out in transition. I was blown away. Like, this is a 40-year-old. He is just trucking down the court. So it's, you know, it's not like he's completely just groundbound. So I think Carl Malone's got to be right there in the conversation. 
Yeah, maybe that's but but if you took 2004 Car Malone and you said that's the best age 40 season ever, I don't think I would think of that as an all-star season. W- would you? I guess I probably not. Yeah. No, I would probably definitely say not. Yeah, definitely not. I'm I'm checking my uh player evaluation database and my last all-star season for Malone was in 2001. Um I think he I think he steadily declines or or in some way rapidly declines because he has that one-dimensional scoring he wasn't one-dimensional, but he has some of that element where it's like as he gets older, he's still shooting a ton, but his efficiency is going down. He can't get to the basket as much. It makes his really good passing maybe a little less potent as a playmaker. He's losing something defensively. And then he has this age 40 season in L.A., which is fascinating because he becomes a defensive specialist. And it's almost akin to what you're saying with LeBron as he continues to age, where it's like, how many times can you just shift his role can you can you take him out of the LeBron James role we've seen him in for 20 years and just move him over to a different role and sort of revitalize him? I loved watching Carl just focus on defense a ton and be like, I'll pass and hit outside jumpers. But yeah, I don't I don't think there's an age 40 season that I would think of as an all star season. And given this aging curve that he's on, unless he drops off a cliff, right, unless there's a unless there's a cliff coming. I don't know if anyone's going to get this Max Kellerman reference, but unless there's a there's a clip, Cody's shaking his head. He doesn't no. know what I'm talking about. No, so, sorry. Anyway, LeBron's on track to have all the all the best seasons for the Greybeards. Did you say John Stockton for a 40 year old season? Yeah, John I, Stockton, 2003. The thing about John Stockton that just continues to blow my mind is you could like if we should it should actually be a game show, Ben. This is a new game show. It's called We're going to put on a John Stockton game between 1996 and 2003 and you have to guess which season it is because my guess it'd be like no one could land it because he looks exactly the same john stockton just doesn't change the way maybe defensively he's got a little bit less verve but offensively he's the same john stockton he's still like plus six efficiency scoring like 16 points a game 16 points per 75 it's just the same john stockton i feel like but i feel like 2003 finally like that's it there's you can tell the difference he's he's slowed down enough that if you watched a full game of any importance, whereas certainly from like 1997 to 2001, there's just good luck. It's it's impossible. It's impossible to tell what year it is. Other than the uniforms, the uniforms keep changing. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it's interesting because you could, you know, there's like the phases of John Stockton, like 88-ish John Stockton. Like that dude was just everywhere. Just a blur. I mean, he was all over the place. But then you pull up like the, the, the Bulls versus jazz stuff that's the that's when john stockton kind of becomes who we know for the rest of forever and i think that's the interesting thing is trying to figure out which players have like games that are going to be able to evolve like lebron we talked about the dho stuff we could theoretically see him doing that carl malone apparently just reinvents himself as a defensive guy um do you want to talk about current guys that might be able to compete yeah yeah, that's what i'm i'm thinking like i was i was actually surprised that there were so few other current candidates as, as I was thinking about this, because it does feel um, not just anecdotally, but I think statistically, you're more likely now to have high level seasons at 32, 33, 34 than you were 30, 30, 40 years ago or whatever. Guys are playing longer. Their careers are long. But man, I was looking around Cody and I was like, oh, LeBron, there aren't, actually aren't even that many players in the league older than LeBron. I mean, I, I don't know if we should count Udonis Haslam, who keeps checking into a game <laughs> Once a year, he's doing a mini Minoso 
that's a base. Anyone out there listen to baseball and the odds of anyone getting that reference are nope. terribly low. I, I've, I've used up my quota for obscure references <laughs> for the day. Um, what were we talking about? No one in the league is old. Chris, Chris Paul, I think is a, his, his 37 season. Obviously his, um, play right now appears to have declined. So it's not the same level of like, you know, high quality player. Still, still a good 37 season, but not the same level. So I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be anyone else currently that will, um, also be able to say like when he was 37 when he was 38 had one of the best seasons ever for that age there's a couple of guys that whose age is creeping up where in the next couple of years we're going to start seeing that and that's Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and you know haven't really necessarily mapped them out but I think they're both in their 34 year old season we're getting really close and I think I don't want to say MVP level but these two dudes are still really going for it like we talked about Kevin Durant the fact that he's shooting better than ever defensively he looks solid Steph Curry I think we talked about maybe looks a step slower than last season but he still cooks like he's Steph Curry I don't know what do you think about those two guys those man Cody that's a great what a how can you do this to me at the end of the show oh this is the beginning of the show Ben this is the beginning (laughs) This is uh, this is a lot because Kevin Durant, as you know, he's seven foot three, and um, he can just shoot whenever he wants, and he's one of the best shooters ever, and he still moves like exactly how he moved five years ago. It seems so. Yeah, you just blew my mind a little bit because I could see Durant. Assuming the health is there, he has a physical makeup and a skill set that, I mean, can we talk through this together? Like, yeah, how how is that not still going to be very good in a couple of years when he when he hits this age thirty seven threshold? Well, what's his do do we have driving numbers for him right now? Like, how has yeah. that dropped off significantly this season? Well, they've they've dropped off. Uh, over the years but I mean he was never a huge driver in the first place and the other thing is of course he's he's been post Achilles and so you have the conflation of like the Achilles injury with his age how much is one how much is the other how much are they both permanently part of the landscape going forward for him Uh, let's assume Cody because it happens to everyone it happens to LeBron let's assume that Durant's driving numbers get even lower they 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 drift toward that Clay Thompson territory um, does he have the ability to still park himself near the elbow, maybe turn his back to the basket, get a little lower, kill it in the mid range? Can he still face and handle and hit pull up threes and, and play pick and roll? I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to be able to do that for another year or two. No problem. Right. What'd you say? He was 34. Yeah. He's age 34. 34 this year. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it just, man, <laughs> The guy I think about that that I compare him to, another seven-footer that can shoot, looks pretty good around 37, is Dirk Nowitzki. And into his later seasons, when he's about 37, I think he's 37 around 2015, 2016. We're going to ignore the all-star selection in 2019 when he's 40, because I'm pretty sure both him and Dwayne Wade were just like... They were honorary. They just brought in, which kind of screws up the thing, because someone might look at... Whatever. No one's actually looking at that, taking that seriously. Everyone looks at that and takes it very seriously (laughs) and yells at you about it. Go on. But in 2016, 37-year-old season, he's averaging 23 on plus one and a half. And when I think about Dirk Nowitzki and Kevin Durant, 
you know, a lot of those shots are the same kind of elbow jumper you see from Dirk, these unblockable kinds of shots. But Dirk, I think that's when he started experimenting with really shooting a lot more threes, because I think that's the secret about Dirk, is he never really relied on that three-point shot. Kevin Durant has that three-point shot. So I think he can mix in those elbow jumpers, he can mix in being a catch-and-shoot guy, and I also just think he's a significantly better passer than Dirk ever was. So on that end... I, I don't know. I, I look at Dirk Nowitzki and I'm like, I feel like Kevin Durant is pretty easily going to be health. Hopefully health continues a better offensive player than Dirk Nowitzki at the same age. Okay. I, t- I take back what I said. Ooh. Um, Durant, Durant was in the 81st percentile in drive frequency and the 94th percentile in drive efficiency a decade ago when, um, Second Spectrum debuted those numbers, right? We, we have camera tracking going back to 2014. This season, he's in the 72nd percentile in drive frequency, and the, so it's a little less, and the 96th percentile in drive efficiency. So I'm not even sure if you could say there's really been that much of a drop-off. I do believe his rim attempts have gone down. You see it more in the playoffs off the top of my head from what I recall. You've really you've really done it, Cody, by uh, sort of unearthing this gemstone at the end of the episode. But I, I think it's fair to say there hasn't been a big difference one way or the other. So, yeah. Now I'm wondering if Kevin Durant is going to score 40,000 points. Ooh. Ooh, is he, is he even on pace for that? I feel like he's missed a little too much time to, to be on that pace right i mean if you if you played 20 years <laughs> what is he at right now how many points does kevin durant have? he's he's coming up on twenty-seven thousand points Thirteen thousand so, points is a lot then Twenty-seven thousand points so if he has two thousand point seasons which is you know kind of the benchmark these days you play you play about 70 games and you average about 30 points a game. What's he, what's he averaging this year? 30 points a game. What did he average last year? 30 points a game. So you would have a 2,000-point season, and then you would need six 2,000-point seasons, and that would take him up to 40. Here's I mean, I'm going stick, to stick with what I said, because if I had said 35,000, that's not hard. That doesn't feel hard for him, right? Here's the thing, though. He hasn't scored 2,000 points in a season since 2019. Uh, well, hold on. 2019, then he missed 2021. 20, yep. uh, sorry, he missed 2020. 2021 was coming back from the Achilles. And we know he does get injured, but last year he had 1,600, uh, missing a huge chunk of time. And this year, depending on when he comes back, he may may not get to 2,000 either. He certainly was on pace for 2,000 before the knee injury. So, yes, I do think that the health and the games played could be the limiting factor. But let, let's – if you haven't thought about this, which I haven't, and I said – we just we just popped on the mic right now, and I said, Cody, no problem. Kevin Durant's getting thirty five thousand points in his career. Would would your first thought have been like, wow, that seems like an insane number of points? And then secondly, after seeing the numbers, do you agree that that actually doesn't seem f- far fetched at all for where he could end? Up? He's he's coming up on twenty seven thousand. I would balk, Ben. I would balk at that for a second. I would look up and think about it, and I would say it's possible. I don't think I feel quite as confident is you but also i just said that he could probably be better than dirk Nowitzki at that same age i I don't know if those two work together yeah he could probably hit 35 pretty easily yeah i feel like 35 is is very very in play for him um we'll see hopefully hopefully he stays healthy that obviously 
is a is a huge determining factor here. But just in terms of the aging curve that you've presented, you don't need four two thousand point seasons in a row for him to hit this, right? Because if he ages really well, as we just talked about with LeBron, you might have six or seven more years of his career. And in five of those years, he may be an all-star or all-NBA level player. And frankly, if Kevin Durant's going to be an all-star, he's just going to be dropping buckets. That's all he's going to be doing. I feel like you could get him out there in a wheelchair, <laughs> and he could probably score 15 points a game. Oh, absolutely. That that jumper is just pure from him. Speaking of pure jumpers, do you want to talk about Steph Curry at all? Uh, no, I think I think we should we should wrap the show. I also just want to point out for those doing the drinking game that Cody brought up Steph Curry this episode. Once again, I did not. And to those same people, the other player that we should be a watch on for this one day, is a little dude named Nikola Jokic. Why? How many points does he have? I no, I'm not talking about all time scoring. I'm talking about all time season at 37, like an all time 37, 38 season. Like, can't you see his, his game aging? Just, just unbelievably. Maybe that's so far down the road. How old is he now? 28. Yeah. That's so far down the road. I can't even. I can't even think that far. Also, yeah. I mean, you've <laughs> doubling down on the drinking game in one episode. <laughs> that's that's too much. If if you want to support this show, check out Patreon.com/slash/ThinkingBasketball. We have a daily stats leaderboard that updates after uh, every every day, I guess, because it's daily for teams and players. But we also have um, a historical stats database that Cody was referencing a little bit throughout the show. Patreon.com slash thinking basketball. That's the best way to directly support us. We also have our Discord community where we do a monthly live Q&A. That's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, best, best way to support us. Any, anything else you want to say before I get out of here? Man. That Paul Pressy, he was such a baller, Ben. <laughs> just you gotta, you can't just name Bucks, right? You have to name players from other teams for the game to work. You have to say like Damon Stoudemire. You know, you have to like throw oh, out fifty point game. Damon Stoudemire, were you there for that? Did he have a fifty point game? I thought Damon Stoudemire had a fifty point game. I don't, I don't remember that. I just remember, I just remember his Final Four run at Arizona. Oh, I, yeah, Ben, did you see Terry Porter play? Terry, Terry Porter. Porter. Terry Porter may be the maybe the greatest player of all time. <laughs> um Damon Stoudemire ha- had a fifty-four point game in uh in two thousand five. And I think that's probably a great way to end the show. So th- thanks as always for listening to the most ridiculous outro in, in podcasting history. And uh as always, wherever you are, I hope you're having a great day.